SEC fans, welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. I'm Connor O'Gara, national columnist for SDS. I'm excited to be joined by a very, very special guest today, Heisman Trophy winner and current SEC Network ESPN analyst Tim Tebow is with us. Tim is here today on behalf of the Allstate AFCA Good Works team. He teamed up with the Allstate All Hands In movement ahead of the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Uh, they joined forces to, refect, to re- refresh the, the Apex Youth Center, which is a drop-in center for at-risk, at-risk youth committed to improving young lives through education, technology, and the arts. Tim, why don't you tell us about the fine work that you're doing with the Allstate Good Works team? Well, it's so awesome in a time where so many people are focused on the playoff and all the bowl games, and, and obviously I am too. I love it. You know, it's been so much a part of my life, but it's it's amazing at a time like that when we can focus on something that matters even more, and that's giving back and making a difference in people's lives that really need it. And that's what we're doing here with the, the Allstate Good Works team, and that's what we're doing at the Apex Center, refurbishing it and trying to make a difference for uh, thousands of lives that come in here and use it every single year. And uh, I'm very honored to be joined by the Good Works team and uh, so many young men that have had great seasons on the field, but more importantly, have had great um, lives off the field and given back to so many people. And so it's pretty special. That's really good stuff. And for, for more information on that, fans can go to ESPN.com slash Allstate. Now let's talk some football. Tim, your bread and butter is the SEC, so let's talk about those two playoff teams first. Everybody wants to know how good this Alabama team really is. I know you were a big advocate of the Tide getting that fourth and final seed. Now that the dust has finally settled on that debate, how good do you think this Alabama team can be in a four-team tournament? Well, I think they have a chance to be the top team. Um, I think they got to execute, but they have the talent and the coaching uh, and the ability to win it all. I don't think there's really any question about that, but I think also all four of these teams do. There's not a huge discrepancy in talent or ability with these teams, uh, size or strength or speed. Um, I think in the years past, there was a huge difference, right? Last year when Alabama faced Washington, it wasn't close. Alabama was bigger, stronger, and faster. But this year, it's a little bit different. Clemson is going to be able to match Alabama athlete for athlete. And so it's going to come down to scheme. It's going to come down to execution. It's going to come down to which team's best players are going to be able to affect the game. Minka Fitzpatrick probably being the best player on the field. Got to really step up for Alabama. Jalen Hurts needs to have a big game. You know, he's had a great career so far, um, but this is an opportunity him for him to really step up and show the Alabama fan base that he is for real as, as their quarterback. And, you know, I think this is the most excited that I have been in covering all of the college football playoffs. This is the most excited and the hardest has been to try to predict what's going to happen. Alabama's offensive issues were magnified in the Iron Bowl. The intermediate passing game struggled, and there was too much pressure on Jalen Hurts to, to move the chains. Let's say you're Brian Dable. What adjustments do you make to be better prepared for that loaded Clemson defense? Well, I think it's it's attacking the edges uh, with Damian Harris, both Scarborough, because both those guys are very big and physical. And let's run away from the strength of Clemson, which is their interior defensive line, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, all these big guys. And let's go have our big guys hit their little guys in the corners and safeties. And then I also think it's fine ways to get the ball to Calvin Ridley. I think he's the most explosive offensive player for either team. So get him the ball and screen swings and go routes. And give him a chance to really impact the game. And I think uh, finally it's, it's get Jalen Hurts comfortable and in rhythm. 
And I don't mean rhythm just in passing. I also mean in running. Get him going a little bit early um, get uh, with his legs because sometimes that can really get him throwing the ball better once he's affecting a game with his legs. And then I think it's also give him easy passes early in the game and, and really try to get him comfortable and focused and playing with confidence because I don't think that's something he had in the second half against Auburn. You know what it's like to be in Hertz's shoes against one of those dominant defensive lines when you've got to make all those snap decisions, especially with the RPOs. How big of a challenge is that against a unit that's as fast and as athletic as Clemson is? It's it's huge, and it's very difficult, but I think that's where you limit his reads a little bit and you let him play fast. Uh, you don't necessarily put as, as much on the game plan on him, but you're able to give him an ability to play fast, and you maybe use more formations and motions, um, but it's not all on him to make all the decisions and, and let him – listen, he's still one of the best runners as a quarterback in college football, and he is a pretty good passer. So let's not forget he's still a really good player, and the last game was a tough game, but he's, he, I think he's 22-2 and two or something as a starter. A kid knows how to play football. He's played a lot of games, and he also – you know, had a come from behind huge touchdown last year against Clemson, uh, who's most of the same guys. And so he knows how to play this game. And I don't think it's to read too much into what happened against Auburn because that was a perfect storm. That was a great defense at Auburn, and, and they just they, – they had Alabama's number that day. And so I don't think it's just to look into that too much, but it's to, it's to look at his body of work and then try to pick out his strengths and magnify him in this game. It was right around this time last year that we saw Bo Scarborough and we really saw what he was capable of. He hasn't been that back yet in 2017. Are you expecting him to turn back into his 2016 postseason self this time around? But but if you remember, he wasn't that back in, in the regular season in 2016. It, he he kind of waited till uh, um, a little bit in the SEC championship game and then against Washington when he just started running over people. Um, like they weren't even there. And, you know, I think he has the ability to do that again. Um, and, and, you know, it depends on the game plan, how they use them, but he can he can burst out at any moment. And I think this would be a good time for Alabama fans if he did it. Speaking of tailbacks, Georgia's got a whole bunch of them, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift. They're, they're as good of a trio in as, as there is maybe in the country how do you expect them to fare against that Oklahoma defense? I think they got to take over. I think they got to control the ball. They got to control time of possession. They got to control first down. I think they're um, one of the biggest keys to the game. And I think they can do it in different ways than they need to. I think Nick Chubb and get, being able to get the third and shorts and being able to put them in good situations. I think Sony Michelle on, on tosses and swing routes and using his versatility and the DeAndre Swift, who's probably the most explosive out of the three uh, and has the highest upside maybe, is he when he gets the ball, he's got to make game-changing plays just like he did against Auburn. And if he does that, I think that's the key. Or if, if they do that, I think that's the key for Georgia. I, I just don't think you want to put them in second, third, and long and, and let a, a pretty good pass rush from Oklahoma get to Jake Fromm and put it on Fromm's shoulders, although he's He's shown that he can handle a lot for a freshman. Let your best players be able to take over this game, and that's Georgia's running backs. I know you're intrigued by the quarterback battle in the Rose Bowl. You've got a, an emerging true freshman in Jake Fromm, as you just mentioned, uh, taking on a Heisman Trophy winner in Baker Mayfield. 
I'm interested to get your thoughts on Mayfield, though. Win or lose, is it fair to call him one of the best quarterbacks in college football history? Uh, Probably, yeah. I mean, you look at what he's done. I think three years he's been top four in the Heisman. Uh, obviously won it this year. Um, he's been able to take his team to two college football playoffs. He's um, he's a competitor. I know a lot of people will make a lot about the antics, and obviously I didn't like a lot of them, what he did. Um, but this kid makes people around him better, and that's something that is so special. And I think, it's, you know, it's it's rare that he just can find a way to rally the team and create the edge, the chip on his shoulder for him and, and his teammates. And I think he is he's had a great career, um, but I know he's he's looking to finish it off the right way. And I think as far as the way that he goes down in history, I think it changes a, a lot between, um, you know, a semifinal loss and a national championship win. I'm sure you've spent a, a little bit more time around Mayfield now that he's joined the, the Heisman fraternity, fraternity. How would you describe him just based on the interactions that you've had with him? I think personally he's way more low-key than he comes across on, on TV and, um, and and a lot more humble in person than he comes across on TV. And um, I just think that's, you know, that's his, his way of trying to um, play to his best the best of his ability of trying to have an edge of his, it's almost his personality when he steps on the field um, that he tries to step into. And um, it's, it's, that's his Superman, I guess. And when he's just hanging out, he's more of a Clark Kent. So um, very nice, likable guy uh, that was very humble at the Heisman and around everybody. And, um, you know, I think that he's going to try to do a better job of showing the rest of the world that as well. The matchup everyone's so eager to see is Mayfield against that against that Georgia defense with you know Roquan Smith and all those dudes. Who do you think has the edge in that matchup and why? Ooh, well, I think it's a it's uh, it's about the number of plays. I think to start out, Georgia does if they play seventy or less plays. But I think if it gets up into the eighties or above, I think that's where Oklahoma has a huge advantage and. It's a lot like Alabama and Clemson last year in the national championship. For the first 80 or so plays, Clemson had 14 points. And then after that, they just started to roll. And it's it's hard as a defense to play sound and, and competitive and tight for, for more than 70 plays. You just get fatigued and you get tired and lack of communication. And now a window that's six inches is now two feet. And I think that's where um, – that's where Georgia's offense has to do a great job of putting their defense in a good situation to stay off the field. You were there for the beginning of Nick Saban's reign at Alabama and this, this decade of dominance. Win or lose on Monday, do you think just based on what you've seen from Georgia this year and maybe even you could throw the recruiting rankings and all that stuff into this equation, do you think Kirby Smart is sort of heading down that same path well, I'll tell you what, it looks like it. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. I mean, three years in a row they get the number one quarterback. They got the top uh, recruiting class so far this year. Um, got a lot of young players. Um, I mean, obviously you've got a long way to go to put him in Nick Saban's class, right? Nick has five natties, and Kirby's still working on his first. And so he's got a long way to go, but he's on the, he, he's got a, he's got a great start. I want to change gears a little bit because, you know, the other day uh, 
you know, the, the broadcast talked about the, the Benny Snell ejection. I think that was at that halftime of the Music City Bowl. Of course, the Kentucky yeah. running back, extremely controversial play where it appeared he was just trying to shake off help from, from a referee, ends up getting thrown out of the game for contact with an official. Um, you were pretty vocal about that. Let's say that exact scenario unfolded in one of these, these playoff matchups and one of these four teams lost their best player for something like what Snell did. What do you think that public outrage would be like, and how outraged would you be to see that? I, I think it would be huge. You know, I just can't stand it when when refs put the game in their hands, when they want to be, you know, the the judge and the jury. I, I mean, I think, yes, you're there to, to officiate the game, and you got to play within the rules, but something that totally changes the outcome, that changes the outcome for these young kids' lives, for – for an organization, for this, for their universities, like there's so much that's at stake with all of these kids, and so I just I, I want to give the, the kids a chance to play and to express themselves. And yeah, he didn't need to put his hands on the ref, but the ref put his hands on the player first. And I get he was helping him up, and it was a, a nice gesture. But that you know you got to understand the emotions of football. Benny Snell just broke five tackles and then he got fell on by four other people and he probably wasn't happy because he probably thought it was a late hit by the ref. So the ref got to understand a little bit at that moment that he's extremely emotional and he didn't, there was no, he didn't, you know, from, from the, from my vantage point, didn't look like he was trying to harm the ref at all or push him or grab him or anything. It was just, he didn't want him to touch him. And, I, you know, I think if you, you know, you look at anything, the way Mark Rick touched the ref was a lot worse. And so it's just, you know, I, I think we just got to be fair to these kids and understand how emotional and what's at stake with, with these games. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that, especially after watching the, the Mark Rick situation unfold, maybe a little bit of a different standard for, for coaches as opposed to players. Let's hope that none of that happens. There's no question that was a different standard. It's just, it's not, it was absolutely a different standard. And it's just, you know, a, a, a coach can lose his cool completely, but because he's a coach, he's got a different standard than a player. It's just, just don't think it's right. Well, let's let's hope that none of that happens in the playoff matchups. Let's hope everybody Yeah, let's the hope that players the players the get to decide it on the field. That would be good. Crazy thought, crazy thought. So let's let's assume that that does happen. We don't have any extenuating circumstances. If you could give me a give me a key for each semifinal game uh, and and how you see those those playing out. So we'll start with we'll start with the Sugar Bowl, the one that you're at. Let's let's talk Alabama's key to victory, and let's talk Clemson's key to victory. Um, I think Alabama's key to victory is tackling in space. And it's hard to kind of quantify that, but I think if they mix more than 10 open field tackles, they lose. Um, and I think for the Rose Bowl, I would say if, if it goes over 80 or so plays, if Oklahoma runs more than 80 plays, I think Oklahoma, run, uh, Oklahoma wins. I think both of them are competitive games, but I think that's just the, the key is is defense for both SEC teams. And if they can't, find a way to get it done um it's going to be a it's going to be a tough day all right you knew the question was coming give me your predictions for the semifinal games and then if you want we can take that one step further and a prediction for the national championship well i'll tell you what you're going to have to watch sec nation tomorrow morning to have to find that out (laughs) hashtag plug 
<laughs> there we go. There we go. You, I, 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 can, I can tell which way which way you've been going with this, though, and I know I know based on what you've seen this season, I think these both of these matchups are going to be tremendous. I'd be shocked if if either of these fall in one of those you know fall into one of those blowout categories. I just, as you said earlier, it'd be very tough to to, for, to foresee anything like that happening. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think both of them are amazing matchups, and. It's just the trilogy and then the clashing of styles in the Rose Bowl. It's going to be great games. One last thing before I let you go, Tim, and you've been so gracious with your time. We really appreciate you coming on. I got, I got to ask, over or under 2.5 avocados that you will eat today? <laughs> today, over. No question about that. That's how, how much on, over? On the average, on the a- oh, I probably at least – I've already had one, and I will at least have – three or four at least three or four wow tim you are making millennials everywhere proud we we really appreciate <laughs> awesome stuff as always thanks man uh yeah your your analysis on the sec network and espn uh we look forward to continuing to see that um we really appreciate you t- taking time out of your busy schedule enjoy what is sure to be an epic epic night of college football absolutely sounds great thanks brother talk soon Thank you. That was Tim Tebow joining us on behalf of the Allstate AFCA Good Works team. Again, for more information on the fine work being done there, fans can go to ESPN.com slash Allstate. We really appreciate you listening along with us ahead of all the playoff action. For Connor O'Gara and the entire Saturday Down South team, I'd like to wish each one of you a safe and happy new year full of football.